This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, do you feel like being cheered up? I know last week we had a, a selection of songs that can cheer you up or help give you hope. But, you know, they say laughter is the best medicine. And I'm going to share something with you give you a link where I believe um, if you're a Springsteen fan or any a fan of anyone obsessed, you'll enjoy. Back in 2016, Daniel Johnson released four short episodes of a web series, East Street, Mary and Dave. If you've watched them, then you know it's worth rewatching. If you haven't ever seen them, go check them out. Um, go to any your favorite search browser and search for East Street, Mary, and Dave. Your life will be a little bit happier. Now then, let's hear Daniel talk about his Springsteen journey and the episodes here. So let's put the TARDIS set for 2016. And here is my discussion with Daniel Johnson about East Street, Mary, and Dave, plus Bruce Springsteen. everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. I always enjoy having uh, people join me on Set Lusting Bruce. It is what we do. It is what I love. But I especially am happy when I can get someone who's taken their love of Bruce and expressed it in a creative way and my guest today daniel has ex done exactly that daniel welcome to the show thank you very much thanks for having me so tell our listeners a little bit about yourself um my name is daniel johnson uh i live uh in london in the uk um my two passions uh have always been filmmaking and i love music unfortunately i have no skills for music so uh it's it's a listening to music, which is my passion, which of course brings me to Bruce. But yeah, yeah, and um, so we're gonna get into a little bit. But Daniel has done um, so far two, and how many episodes are you hoping to make, or is this a um, I, well? It's gonna be. I think originally my plan was to have four episodes as like a first series. Okay, um, and then to really decide, it might just sit well as this little four episode arc about Bruce fans or maybe it will it'll continue on but the good thing about doing a web series that is completely independent is 
there's no rules. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I could just stop at the two that I've made or yeah. we could do more. Um, it depends on also the the availability of the actors. They're all very talented and they get a lot of other acting jobs. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's uh, who knows? But yeah. Well, good. Well, we're going to get into that a little bit more. I have uh, tweeted the link to uh, the episodes. And so hopefully my cool. listeners have checked it out. And we'll also have more details in the show notes to bid it. To start out with, though, you mentioned you have two passions, you know, uh, mm. music and filmmaking. But talk about growing up. What what kind of captivated you about music and filmmaking? I noticed on your uh, Facebook page, you've got a clip from one of my favorite movies, The Apartment. Oh, um, yeah. So it is such... It is such an unconventional love story, and mm, it and it's such a, you know, it. We could get onto that for a whole hour. Oh, it, I'll talk to you now about the apartment. Happy to. <laughs> it feels so relevant and new. Mm. When I mean, it doesn't feel dated whatsoever. Absolutely. Do you know? Sometimes when I recommend old friends, uh, old friends, old films to friends, I have to. Like warn them that it's dated, or warn them that like, you know you have to give it a gut. But with the apartment, I think you within a few minutes of watching it, you're gonna love it because it's so it's so well made and it it feels it feels like it could be a modern film that happens to be in black and white. Like do you know what I mean? Like a period film because it's so it's just so well made. I do uh, agree, and and you know I do the same thing. You know I'll discover an older film and I'll want to share it with a friend. And mm. um, and like, you know, the John Ford stagecoach, like, OK, yeah. you you're going to feel like this is a cliche, big all the characters. But understand, this was one of the first times they had done that kind of you know, story. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it's the films that have influenced other films that end up looking the most unoriginal. Yes, because we've seen everything that's come since. Um, but we, yeah, sorry, go on. No, no, no. I was just going to say, but like I had not seen. Um, in a while, or I really had never watched The Day the Earth Stood Still, the original. Mm. And four or five years ago, I watched it and I went, oh my goodness. You know, there are times when people say a movie is a classic and it's more yeah. for the influence it gave and how it broke ground. Yeah. And then there's other times where you go, that's just a great movie. Absolutely. And, and you know what? It's funny because I think that The Apartment and Bruce, there's something very similar in tone. Do you know what I mean? Like The Apartment is just something that feels very – I think if you love The Apartment, it's a very personal connection. It's a very personal movie. Um, and I think that it's like the relationship people have with Bruce. Do you know what I mean? Rather than it being – you know, The Apartment doesn't always get – you know, when people list their top ten films, I don't think The Apartment's something that's always there. But the people who do love it really love it. Yeah, and you know, Daniel, in a lot of ways, the Shirley MacLaine character could could very easily be a character in a Bruce song. Mm, you know, yeah. I I had a friend once that said that often um, the uh, female characters in Bruce songs have a little bit of a past and are a little bit mm. damaged, as is the male characters, and mm. and and so. You know, I've never thought about that before, but the apartment truly could be a Springsteen song. Yeah. Because, you know, 
um, and we talked a little bit on email before about Thunder Road, but right, like they both yeah. have flaws in that song, and they're finding each other. And I think the characters in the apartment, the same thing. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. So, um, I want to go both ways. So you, you're picked. You want to talk about growing? What kind of music you listened to growing up, or you want to talk about first or films you wanted to talk about? Um, I'm whatever. I mean, we can talk about music. I'm okay. sure it will all cross over. But yeah, music. It's funny because you implied in email you'd be asking that kind of question. I was trying to think about where it all came from, and I think like two things for me. One is, I remember, you know, in my with my parents, I remember just sitting. They'd be sitting in the in the living room watching TV or doing whatever they'd be doing, and I my dad had this big pair of headphones, and I used to sit in the corner with headphones on. And just would be going through his records and his CDs and stuff, just just sitting there listening. And I feel like so much of my interest in music came from that experience. And that was at a very young age. That was, who knows, like 8, 9, 10, 11. And then the second part of that is, I think, in school around the age of, I guess, 14, 15, I didn't, I think I was different to a lot of the other kids. I didn't have the same interests as them. And whatever was feeding their minds in their lives in society wasn't wasn't doing the same thing for me and I needed something different and that came from you know from films from books and from the music I was listening to and it was around then when I started finding you know the artists that I still love to this day obviously including Bruce so Daniel do you know like what kind of are there a couple of films that really you know struck you as oh my god this is something magical and maybe influenced you a good question do you know what's interesting is is my interest in film i, I never had that experience that people talk about when you know they watched et and it and it just took over it had right. a huge, for me it's a lot more again it's that personal connection of you know again like the apartment is an interesting film to bring out because i mean i've got the poster in my room here i've got it's it's films like that and it it wasn't always, I mean, I remember when Jerry Maguire came out, I was only, I was only like 12 when that came out. And that again is not necessarily what anyone sees as a classic movie, but something about the character and his journey um, just connected with me. And it was that thing of being able to watch a film and see someone go through the everyday conflicts that we all go through Um and and come out the other side as a changed person and that for me was the magic of it it didn't have to be the big sci-fi movies or any do you know what i mean it was always I those totally do. things that and to this day like it's funny um every now and again i have like a, a movie night with my brother we'll watch like a bunch of films and we're very specific in that we only like stuff that we feel like almost like it, it would have to be able to happen to us we have to, yes. have to put ourselves in that place and as soon as we see someone jump on a spaceship we're like no that's not the film we can't watch that one okay, do you know what i mean so yes my i do been really real yeah um i i totally understand i am a big comic book nerd and i love um you know a lot of science fiction films and everything but it is the smaller like uh, for some reason notting hill as a oh, modern yeah. film just if i'm flipping channels and it's on i'm locked in absolutely just absolutely. i love that journey and just the yeah. the back and forth of that um and 
you know, I think a lot of that is as well, like, you know, especially with like romance films, like Notting Hill is a great example is that it's sometimes it's hard as a guy to be that romantic or to admit you care about love that much. Right. So when you throw on one of these films and we make these excuses, oh, I was just flicking through and blah, blah, blah. But actually, I think it really resonates and it helps us live out a part of ourselves that we probably don't always give ourselves access to, you know. And and I also think not only is it a it's a neat story and great performances, but mm. I love the soundtrack on that movie and the way they yeah. use music like on their date and when they they go over the wall and oh, and they yeah. and that scene where you know when you say nothing at all which is one of my favorite songs and and they just capture that and then the um the mm. year you go through where he's walking through oh, the, the thing and, and, yes yeah. um really really creatively Even the done first, the first song of that film i think it was elvis costello's uh yes. she wasn't it and it's yes. just great music in that yeah. film yeah i agree Absolutely. So, Daniel, when did you find Bruce, and why was he something special to you? Good, good question. Um, I, do you know, I was one of my favorite bands when I was growing up was was Counting Crows. I don't okay. know if you're familiar with their work, and they they they'd cover Bruce quite a lot, and they had one of their songs, Rain King, where they would actually sing the whole of Thunder Road in the middle of it. Oh, how um, funny! If you haven't heard it, and the listener is, it's uh, well, I love it. But I grew up with it. Some people, you know, real Bruce traditionalists listen to it and they're like, oh, he's wrecking the song. But I love it. Um, and they covered Atlantic City and some other bits and pieces. And there was something in that band that I loved, the tone of what they sang about. And when I was finding Bruce, and this was also, I remember as well, in 19, 19- I mean, I was born in 1984. Okay. Um, and by the time Napster came around, which I think was, was that late 90s, I yeah. was... I was just very curious about music and I would, if someone had a cover of us, I was really interested in cover versions of songs um, to the point where, you know, obviously like everyone I knew born in the USA, but, and Thunder Road and born to, but I would just, I'd go and type in a song name and download everything that could have been a cover of it. And I just started, I had a weird fascination with covers and bootlegs and, and, and badly recorded things from live albums. <laughs> and so much of what came up was Bruce. Um, and yeah, and just it just kind of organically came, and then it, I just found myself constantly. And also, like I said, Jerry Maguire was a film I loved, and obviously, Secret Garden was yes. in the soundtrack to that. Um, you know, it's a name that just popped up when I was a teenager. Like there was Philadelphia, he was in the soundtrack. Jerry Maguire, he just you know, on a lot of shows and films, the music kept reappearing, right? And it just seemed to be an, an invitation to go deeper with it, you know. Yeah, uh, you know, I also have a fascination with covers. Um, mm. You know, just it. I would back when Napster was a thing, and yeah, now that even you know SoundCloud and iTunes and Spotify, yeah. I will type in you know a song, and then will want to hear all the different versions. Absolutely, um, because yeah. it, it it's an interpretation of that song, and sometimes. You know, in a lot of ways, sometimes the interpretation is even better than an original. Absolutely, which yeah. I know is sacrilege sometimes, but it, yeah. it, it can be. And you love that when someone takes the song and makes it their own, um, mm. it's just something pretty special. Absolutely, absolutely. And for me, like I've, to this day, I love um, 
I love just listening to things that, you know, like with the bootlegs back in the day when someone's recording yeah. a show on some weird device somewhere in a venue. I still love that sound. And I still love so much of my favorite stuff that I listen to. And it's hard if I'm going to recommend some tracks to a friend or burn them a CD. I want to put on these badly recorded things from some show in 1978, like most Bruce fans. But to a new fan, they're not going to love that recording, right. at, at least not initially, you know. So as we're recording this, it's um, January 22nd. And I woke up, my I, I had my iPad next to the bed, and I started hearing these noises. And it's because uh, people were periscoping the Perth show. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so I spent a little time listening to it kind of as an um, an appetizer to the meal of this talking Bruce with you. And mm. and uh, he played Blood Brothers. And no, I, I watched it on YouTube after the gig. Yeah. And the guy who was periscoping or the girl, I don't remember who now, but you heard someone saying I, I he's dedicated to someone, a someone Bruce fan who died, it. you know, and, yeah. and they had that dialogue. And unlike sometimes you're like, okay, I want to hear the song. In this case, it added to the context of it that, absolutely, you know, how, you know, because we've all lost people that we care and love about, love. And, yeah. and that song being done that way was pretty amazing. Yeah. And, you know, I wrote a comment on Greasy Lake after I um, listened to it and watched it. And I wrote that, like, it genuinely seemed unrehearsed by Bruce and it seemed like he was just figuring it out. And I said, because of that, it like, it wasn't a perfect version. Yeah. Actually it was totally perfect because it was, it was just so real and honest and it was just a great moment. You know? So one of the things that, um, you know, there, there's times where, something spoils you and you can never enjoy something the same way again. Like if you have a really, you know, fine meal and you're like, I don't know if I can ever, every sure. time I eat steak from now on, I'm going to think of this time. Yeah. And I really still love a lot of shows and I, I like going to hear live music, but mm. I'll see this touring bands and you go, there's not a moment that isn't pre-rehearsed or pre-arranged. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And and you're right. The idea that you know you understand that there's a scanner backstage where they can put on the lyrics, you mm. know, on this song so that they can sing. But yeah, I watched it where he's sitting there. Okay, what chords are we gonna do? What key am I gonna do this in? And he made a joke. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> and it was, yeah. it was a real moment. Um, Absolutely, yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, and sometimes I think ahead. sometimes there is a bit of a showmanship side. So I think sometimes they have rehearsed it a bit, and he still goes through that routine. Yes. Uh, and there are other times when it's literally they're figuring it out, or he's figuring it out as he does it. Yeah. Same at Wembley Stadium last year. He played um, "I'll Work for Your Love." solo acoustic and i just think he hadn't played it in in a fair yeah. while and it took him a while to figure out what he was doing I, I agree and but they end up being the best moments as well because there's something so genuine about that you know it yeah. is and it's kind of like um in in a film when someone will you know improv improv a set of mm. dialogue and all of a sudden he goes oh my god we got to keep that 
Um, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And another moment for me, and I've talked about this often on the podcast, but it just really stick to me, is when I was in Houston a few years ago, and someone asked for one step up, and he mm-hmm. said, you know, we do not know this song. <laughs> You know, and and I believed yeah. him, and and yeah. especially when you see the band hardly played, it was mostly just him and Patty. So yes, yeah, something very very special. Um, you mentioned being at Wembley, so yeah. As always, I want to put this out there because um, I do not think the amount of times you've seen Bruce is a fair barometer mm. of how big of a fan you are. But just for yeah. the record, how many times have you seen him perform? Would you know? I knew you were going to ask me, and I've I I. I I think it's around ten. I'm okay. trying to. I'm trying to remember them all. And three of the, I saw him three times last year in Europe. So okay. uh, a lot of it came last year. But some something clicked last year when I was like, next time if we're lucky enough to have them tour again, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna do everything I can to go to every show I can because, you know, you get something from it, don't you? That you don't really get anywhere else in life. So it's. Uh, My yeah. wife is a casual fan at best. Um, mm. And and she's gone a couple of times with me, and we just recently talked. She goes, okay, I didn't see him any on the River Tour. Um, and she goes, now then, next, if he's touring in the U.S. again, I want to mm. go with you. Uh, it's been long yeah. enough. I want to see another show. But she asked, she goes, you saw him five times mm. you know, this year, and four of them were all River Tours. Were you not bored? And and I said no. I said each one's unique. Now the songs I don't like on the river, I yeah. still didn't like. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. Uh, but it was so just. It is something each time, and I kind of mm-hmm. talked to her about. I said each time you run a five k, or you know a ten k or a half marathon, that's a good, that's a good, you, yeah, you've absolutely. done that. But each of them bring you something new. That's and, so and true. She, she says, "Okay, now I get that." But you know, it's funny. Like at Wembley Stadium, I was—I didn't love it. I was agitated. I didn't. The people around me were bugging me, and I, I, the sound quality wasn't great. And I—I I didn't. If if I had, I went on my own. But like, if I had gone with friends and they had said, "Nah, I don't want to see Bruce again," I would totally have understood because right. it just wasn't. I didn't love it. But you know, I went to Rome. Um, to the Circus Maximus show and it was just the best night I've ever experienced. It just reminded me everything that I love about music and that was as close as I get to like like a religious thing. It's just more the music. Yes, and so the yes. difference between the Wembley show and the Rome show is huge. But unfortunately you like you I think when you're seeing someone as genuine as Bruce, um you get a genuine thing. Like there'll be on nights and off nights. That being said, I spoke to people who thought Wembley was the best gig ever. So, right, you know, right. there's, everyone has a different experience and you bring your own problems to the show with you, don't you? I think you do. And I, I also, I go back to, it was years ago, but uh, Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert were being interviewed and they said, every time they go to the theater, they are hoping to see something magical. And yes. then, and so I think that's the same thing. When I go to a Bruce show, I am looking for, you know, renewal and and magic and and just absolutely, things. yeah. And and so, um, and you know, I guess there are sometimes you go that was a pretty standard show, but mm. every but then there's and and even a standard show, 
I had a oh, good friend once. Yeah. yeah. He says, I always say my favorite Bruce show is the one I just finished. Um, mm. And so that's interesting. Um, yeah. Well, are there – I want to get into some of your films, but before right. I do that, are there any albums or songs that have meant a lot to you? You've mentioned Secret Garden. You've yeah. mentioned a couple other things, but is there anything that specifically – has talked to you and touches oh, you, God. Daniel. Yeah, where to, you know, there's definitely in the last few years, um, it's funny because like Bobby Jean is one for me that, um, you know, and it's funny, I see a lot of fans moan about it on like, oh, he's playing Bobby Jean again. Oh, we've heard it a million times. And for me, it just, you know, there's a friend that I went to see, I saw Bruce at Hyde Park the night Paul McCartney came on stage mm -hmm. with, my, with my friend Mandy, who passed away suddenly, um, not long after that. And then I've heard him say, play Bobby Jean pretty much every time I've seen him since. And that song uh, just absolutely captures a friendship with her. And, and it, it just, oh, I can't even put it into words. I'm struggling now, but that I, one. I totally understand because um, the episode that just came out as we're recording this was Craig from Canada. And he yeah. talked about his best friend from high school, um, passed away a mm. few years ago and every time he hears bobby jean he tears up oh, in happiness yeah. but also yeah. because thinking of that you know he said that that was his relationship with his friend and so yeah absolutely yeah i agree with that yeah and also i feel like bobby jean Whilst not being like one of his big, big songs that everyone knows, you know, it's such, it's from an, you know, a lot of people know this, it's a big song. And I feel like a lot of those, like, I don't think you can discount how people in the world feel about dancing in the dark. And yeah, uh, there's, there's a reason why those songs take on a, a, such a huge thing socially. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like obviously sometimes as big fans, you can be like, oh God, that song again. But I think. Some songs are bigger than just a song, you know? And and I also like to mention that every show is someone's first show. Mm, and, and, absolutely. And, and this is the first time they've heard Born to Run. Oh, absolutely, live. and what a great experience. Right. You know? um, couple Bobby Jean stories. I was in Louisville in the River Tour, and yeah. they had played everything. Um, Good night. Max had come down. I saw him mm -hmm. give his drumsticks away, and, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, Bruce picked up his guitar <laughs> and started strumming, and you saw the band look like, what, what? And they yeah. played Bobby Jean. And I felt like we had received it, – it truly was Christmas night. Everything had been opened, and all of a sudden, underneath the tree, there had been this great present – no oh, one yeah. had noticed. And so it was a wonderful yeah. moment. Um, the other thing that is truly is going to show my geekness is yeah. um, a few months ago, um, my friend Charles Skaggs and I do a Doctor Who podcast. Yeah. And we were talking about um, the companion Sarah Jane Smith and mm. that actress who died just a few years ago. And I quoted – Bobby Jean at the end of that episode, you yeah. know, and um, and it really felt appropriate. Um, mm. So I, I can understand why you feel that way. Um, Absolutely, yeah. And I also think, in a lot of ways, 
I personally think you can't overplay Glory Days. I think it's a song that just mm-hmm. every time I hear it, I smile and I feel that energy. Yeah, I've never heard that live, by the way. He never seems to do it. No. In Europe, he doesn't put it in the set list in yeah. Europe, you know? Um, I've only heard it once live. Yeah. But... Um, and, well, I agree with what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, and Bobby Jean is one of those, even though it's on Born in the USA, I feel mm-hmm. like it's one of the... You can't call it a hidden gem because it's on Born in the USA and everyone, yeah. you know, everything about that. But it does seem pretty special. Yeah, yeah. Um, so talking about special, um, I'm catching up and I watched uh, Emily this morning. Emily in New York City. Yes. Yeah. Um, talk to me about where that song came from. And, and the reason why the, the film. The film, it, yeah. It, it felt like thunder road to me and and the reason why is and i won't spoil it but it is this Mm -hmm. very short story that is um it is there's only one character on screen the whole Mm -hmm. time and there is one voice narrating it and Mm -hmm. it is very romantic it is very talking about lost love and your ending kind of leaves the same feeling i have about on Thunder Road, does Mary get in the car or not? Mm. You know, and in this, your main character, who remains nameless, right? Yeah. Does he take a chance again? And you left it vague, I think, on purpose. But that yeah. was an absolutely lovely, romantic film. Thank you. Thank you. So where did yeah. it come from? What were you thinking? And um, yeah. Just give me a little bit of the background on that. Sure. Well, do you know what? So first of all, first and foremost, I I love New York. It's one of my favorite places in the world, and I'm pretty obsessed with it. Um, And what had happened was, I remember, so I made that film in 2013. Um, The the time before when I'd been, I'd been there in 2008 and 2009. And what happened was I'd been to New York. I'd spent like a month there, and I'd run around and make all these friends and connections. and, And I just felt like, oh, I had this had this whole other life in New York. And I didn't get to go there for a few years, um, you know, money and whatnot. And then I went back in 2013 in my head thinking, I've got all these friends I'm going to catch up with and this and that. And it turned out a lot of them, you know, would sort of make their excuses, didn't have that much time for me. Or, and what I realized was because I had come out of my life and spent a short amount of time in New York, these characters, these people that I'd met, had taken on big importance to me. They were like this amazing group of people that I'd met in New York. So that was like a special occasion. But for their, in their lives, they live in New York. They're going about their lives day to day. And I'm just that English guy that they happen to know for a few weeks. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't the same thing for them. And basically in New York in 2013, I had this realization of like, this thing that I felt so deeply and so strongly wasn't there anymore. And at the same time, there are some cafes and coffee places and restaurants that I loved that in three or four years had closed down. They weren't there anymore. So I was struck by this feeling of this thing that's so real in my head about New York and the people is not actually there anymore. Um, And that feeling was so strong in me that I was, I was on the subway heading back to where I was staying and it just sort of came I remember getting my phone out and having to write all the dialogue you hear in the voiceover 
I just wrote it out on my it just came to me like instantly um and I guess it like artistically it was expressed rather than being about friendship and about you know buildings and restaurants it came out as a girl do you know what I mean about yeah. and obviously a love story is more appealing I think on screen so it's just this idea of of what you think is real but realistically it's not you know um and that's what it was about and then so I, I literally wrote it probably in about 10 minutes and then the the guy who did the voiceover I already knew he, he was one of the guys I knew and kept in touch with from a few years before and I sort of said to him you've, you've got to do the voiceover for this thing um the other act the actress who's the main actor in it she I coincidentally had met a week or two before for a coffee for a mutual friend and she just seemed perfect for it and so I just did it she I she was perfect um she is absolutely beautiful but she also has a captivating you know a presence about her and and absolutely in the filmed you know you could actually if you don't get caught up in emotionally you could see the filmmaking was in the editing because of all the way different scenes and and matching her expressions and her looks to the narration was Mm. just a really beautiful blend of storytelling yeah and the other thing as well like i wanted to make a film that feels like what my memories in my because i don't always have the best memory and if you ask me what bruce played at a gig five years ago I might not remember, but I might remember there was someone standing next to me who cried. I mean, I might remember that on the stage this happened. And, that, and there's these little snapshots of feelings and moments, and that's what my memory's like. So I wanted to make a film that just captured that feeling. So the editing had to try and feel like a memory, you know? And and I do think that's – it worked at least from my perspective. You know, that's exactly what it felt like, and it felt mm. like almost you were – you were seeing inside the narrator's head mm. as he's talking about this and seeing her and and I love the ending where it's the uh, the long shot and he's yeah. talking and all of a sudden you know she sees she looks in the camera and realizes it's him yeah. and the smile and it just is it is very sweet and in and ambiguous in a good way, not in the yeah. way that the lady and the tiger, when I was in junior high reading that short story and irritated me, yeah. like I want to know an ending. But this was a good way, kind of as Casablanca, right? Says this is the beginning right. of a beautiful friendship. This, you, you can, if you're a romantic, you can say maybe they rekindled something and made something beautiful, or maybe they just got a good ending where they continue on their lives but now then she's gone yeah. from a unhappy memory to a pleasant memory in his yeah mind. and here's the thing i feel like a bit like the experience i talked about personally with me going back to new york is that like i feel like for that character she it's him that missed her it was his right. bullshit you know what i mean excuse my yes. language maybe I can't. no that's <laughs> but like fine for her maybe she doesn't it's it's just as likely they could bump into each other it could be awkward then she wants to leave there's or they could fall in love and it's not just ambiguous as in i'm gonna end here and you guess what happens it's ambiguous as in i've got no idea i've got no idea none of us know what on earth would happen right do you know what i mean because it's life who knows yeah and that's just really beautiful well 
almost on the other side of romance is Mary and Dave. Yes. <laughs> um, so E Street, Mary and Dave. Have I got yeah. the name right? That's right. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So um, I had seen this posted on social media. I watched it and I immediately reached out to Daniel and said, "Oh, you please be on my podcast." And I just, I was like, "There's no way he's too busy." And and I was yep. so pleased when you came back. Yeah. Um, I will let you give a summary of what you your vision of what this webisodes, sure. of this web series is about. For me, it's a web series about the people you see. In the, they're definitely in the pit or they're down the front row. It's about people that are so passionate about something that they get blinded to everything else. You know, I, like when I talk to friends about the things I'm passionate about, like Bruce, that, that it gets to the point that, like, oh, yeah, his music's quite nice. And they, but then when they realize it's more than that, and it's like, no, 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 I'm flying to Rome to see him, I'm going to Zurich, suddenly they're like, what are you doing? Why? Do you know what I mean? It's that thing. And I think it's the same with anyone who has any passion. There's like the normal socially acceptable version of the passion. And then it's what happens when you dip, when you go, you just go further down that hole. Um, and so it just so happens that I wanted to make a series about not just about passion about Bruce, but you know, what are the effects of that? And what happens if two people in a relationship both love Bruce and they both happen to be competitive or, you know, what happens if, it's like when two, you know, you must have seen it when two people are talking about an album and one of them doesn't know what songs the next in the track list and the other one feels slightly, slightly more knowledgeable. Or, do you know what I mean? Yes, so there about, is a smugness. Yeah, which I don't think you get a lot with Bruce fans, but sometimes you do, like anything. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I just wanted to take all of that stuff that I just find very funny. I remember one, just a quick memory. Once I was... Uh, I was oh when I went to see Bruce in Hyde Park in 2012 with my friend Mandy and my brother was with us as well and my brother I can't remember how he came up with this joke but my brother was making a joke uh, pretending he doesn't know Bruce as well as he does so he'd be like is this that born in the USA guy he kept in front of everyone there's thousands of people and brother's like is this that this guy sings that Bean to the USA song and some of the looks around us from fans were like oh they don't even know he like do you know what I mean they were getting yes, annoyed oh that's funny. Like, brother's sense of humor and it was just this really funny thing that he would do um and it's just that it's just that sense of humor of like when you take it so seriously like i could easily with a bruce fan have a debate about what is the best best version of you know thunder road or something and it's crazy if you if you step outside like if you so show it like greasy lake the forum if you show the the conversation to any other person, you know, like the way we all converge online to look at a set list live. We just see song names being typed one after the other from a show that's happening in Australia. That's insane. It's insane. It that is. We're, well, we're crazy. And you know what I mean? <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, I was lucky enough to go. Um, my wife was very supportive last year of my Bruce obsession and, my son Good. and I went to see the August 25th show in Jersey. So it was the middle show. Wow. Yeah. And amazing. It was the first time ever at the end of a show I was sated. 
I mean, oh. always before I was greedy and I'd go, God, one more. Can we get yeah. one more? And in this that. one, yeah. it, it was almost it was close to four hours. And I was like, you know, if he plays another one, I'm OK. But if he doesn't, he I, I don't need another one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there was all this debate on, you know, did it break four hours? And they're yeah. not. And and I found the the minutia discussion of you know i'm like it's stuffed it started roughly at eight it ended roughly at midnight it's a four-hour show and yeah. but the whole well do you start the clock when the first band member comes on stage do you start the clock when bruce comes on stage do you start the clock when he says good evening you know yeah. do you end the clock and i did hear from someone later that mm. part of this is because early shows in the 70s you don't have any video so yeah. you start the clock when you hear his voice right. but i was like that's a little yeah my personal opinion only a little too minutia and a little too my my i've talked about i love comic books and i'm mm. and and i you know um and every once in a while my son and my son and wife will go too much <laughs> you know yeah. and that's their version of going okay you yeah. you've now come become charming obsessed to i'm a little worried about you yeah exactly and mary and dave are a little too much <laughs> <laughs> and kind of joke that hasn't been totally explored yet is they've got a daughter who really it's like she's like the eighth thing on their mind she comes in at like number 12 it, you know another, number one is bruce springsteen number two is who's the bigger bruce springsteen fan number three is it's just all bruce 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 and eventually they're like oh yeah we have a kid we should and, probably we should probably take care of her which and by the way in the second episode we meet her we meet her current boyfriend Yes. Who seems the nicest guy ever, right? Yeah. Uh, and and she's the daughter is very healthy, and and seems mm. to be well adjusted. But yes, it is the very last thing. And a long time ago, um, we were talking to a lady um, who had done the Ironman triathlon, um, mm. and she talked about her ex husband was a Ironman competitor as well. And she yeah. says it doesn't work well in a family if both of you are competing at that level mm. because you need someone when you're dog tired after training to cook the dinner yeah. or to wash the clothes. And the funny thing as well, like they're not um... – it's not like they've got a higher goal. It's not like they're going to be the big, the best musicians ever or politicians. Right. Therefore, right. the daughter, okay, she'll be a bit messed up, but there's a bigger goal. We're serving the community right. and she'll grow up to have an important role. No, these are just two Bruce Springsteen fans who, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, there's no, yeah. And I, I've talked a lot about, I believe, there is a beauty to um, – this modern world and social media that you mm -hmm. can become friends and, and feel a connection. Like 
when I see you on Twitter going forward, I will smile. And if I see you talking about a show, I'll go, oh, good. It's my friend Daniel. I will call yeah. you my friend because we've connected. We have Bruce in together. You've been on the podcast. So I think there's a beauty to that. And we joke every once in a while, and there's this 1% that when you meet live, you go – I don't know if I particularly enjoy your company. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and Mary and Dave are a little bit of the – like the first episode really talks about them, the argument of which one's a bigger fan. Yes. And, and, and Mary is a little more competitive, but not yeah. by much. And then the second episode is instead of just admitting we didn't get tickets – you know, they've yeah. got this elaborate plan of pretending they're at the show because yeah. it is important, and I'm using air quotes, that yeah. they post the set list. Well, here's the thing. Just quickly, I in, yeah. I was at the Zurich show, the last show of the European tour, mm -hmm. and um, I, I, I can't remember what the first song was now. I think it was Prove It All Night, but I remember like – wanting to be the first one to post that it, and it seemed really important to me and i was like i should be watching the show bruce i mean i'm in zurich bruce springsteen's on the stage he's my hero why am i looking at my phone wanting to post this before anyone else like it's a little bit of insanity that's not that healthy and it's like it's a flaw in my character <laughs> do you know what i mean so and it's kind of an extension of that it's like um i think we used talking to um steve milton a few weeks back or whenever yeah. it was and he he said a similar thing he was like I wanted to be off my phone at this show and actually concentrate. Um, and it, do you know what I mean? It's incredible. I how... totally do because I will have the same feeling. I'll like, oh, I should tweet the set list. And then I'm like, why do That's you crazy, think it's important it? that yeah. you do this? Um, exactly. And it is um, – and, and I showed the first episode to my wife. And mm. she thought it was funny, but she was a little disturbed. She's like, they're not very nice to each other. No, and I, absolutely. And I said, yeah, I think that's part of the, you know, the premise is yeah. – and I do think they care about each other, but there is that unhealthiness that it's become – instead of passion, it's become an obsession. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I totally agree that they're not always the most likable. I actually think I think he's a bit more likable than her, if only because I think deep down he might not really be a diehard fan. OK, Do you know what I mean? I feel like there's a little part to him. Like when you watch it, there's like he feels like he needs to he needs well, this kind of a little very subtle joke in that he's always wearing like a Born in the USA T-shirt or right. he, references, <laughs> he, he knows the hits and deep down he just loves dancing in the dark. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but to no. her and to a lot of Bruce fans, there totally is something wrong with that. Yes. But um, it, uh, yeah. you know what I mean? So I yeah, like I totally do, Daniel. It's it's the joke, right? Like your favorite song is "Dancing in the Dark." You know, as yeah, in, you absolutely. know, this is a uh, a slur. Um, absolutely. And also in episode two, when he's got a request sign, the sign he's got is Bobby Jean. Because yes. he wants to hear Bobby Jean, even though they, he plays it all the time. Yeah. Uh, and, and also, it's it's like an inner voice in my head, and this is totally ridiculous, which is like, you asked me, you know, what's an album that means something to you? What's a song you want to hear? You know, there's, without doubt, for as ridiculous as it is, there's some voice in my head that's like, geez, I better not say Born to Run. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
I want all the Bruce fans to know I'm a real fan. So God, what's a rarity, I should say. And it's it's meant it's crazy, but it's also about wanting to belong. We all want to belong to a community, and there's something very beautiful about, as you say, that one percent. We've all found each other online that we all care about this same thing. But within yeah. a community, there's still going to be all the same crap that you get everywhere else. But now it's all about Bruce. You know, I totally agree, Daniel. And, and another, like, um, I was lucky. Uh, me and my good friend Sam would, um, when we worked together, you know, went to lunch together almost every day. And and East Street Radio is on, and we would talk about, you know, if we got lucky enough to be the boss, mm. you know, and and on the, you know, where you get to pick five songs. And Sam's point was, and I totally agree with it. He said. This is a radio station that is about Bruce Springsteen and mostly listening to people, listened by people who love Bruce Springsteen. So if you pick five songs, you don't pick Thunder Road because everyone thinks of Thunder Road as one of their favorites, right? That, you know, and and so um, when I got lucky enough to do, I thought about that. I'm like, okay. Obviously, I could go Thunder Road and mm. and and you know, uh, or tougher than the rest, or you yeah. know, um, Promised Land, or you know, Jungle Land, or all these songs that you go. Yeah. But that's kind of implied that they are something. So, I yeah. and th- right. So that's the. Mm. It's almost like um, on sports teams, they'll say, "Well, of course, this guy." or gal goes without saying they're a hall of famer. I mean, yeah. you know, we don't even have to discuss, like if you're talking yeah. about, let's go back to where we started. Um, we're going to discuss some of the greatest romantic f- films in the world. Okay. Mm. Well, we're just going to go ahead and put the apartment on there because that yeah. we don't even need to debate. That's a, Absolutely. that's a lock. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great. Well, um, I love the actors. Uh, you know, the actress who plays Mary, you know, because she starts out arguing with yeah. the paper about them getting a quote wrong, right? Yeah. Um, where'd you find them? And, and, and are they Bruce fans or are they? Uh... Um, no, Deborah. So Deborah's not a Bruce fan. She actually <laughs> saw him, a few friends, she got tickets and saw him at. Um, the Emirates Stadium, it's Arsenal Football Club yeah, Stadium. Yeah. They saw, I think it was, uh, I think it was Wrecking Ball Tour, maybe it was Magic Tour. I can't remember. It was a few years back, and she uh, thought she would love it, and she didn't. She didn't really know the songs, and then by the time the song she knew came on, you know, the Dancing in the Dark and all that kind of stuff, she was drunk and tired, I think, and like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And had yes. to wait four hours for it. And I think that's what a lot of you know, casual fans or even people that aren't particular fans. Like, for example, if I'm not a big U2 fan, but if someone gave me tickets to go see U2, I want to hear the hits that I know. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like she had that experience. Steve, um, the American actor in the show who plays Dave, he, I think, was a fan and familiar and liked Bruce, but now... Now he's listening deeper. The sort of series, I think, has kicked him mm-hmm. on yeah. to uh, to listen more. Um, and actually, I'm doing another episode soon, and I've cast uh, – there's a guy in it um, 
Sanj Krishnan, who he he's a big fan, as big a fan as me, um, and he's going to be acting in it. So that's that's fun. But um, but so, yeah, it's been interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, the level of fandom and Ellis Ellis Hebden, mm. who plays the daughter, is I, I don't think it's her cup of tea at all. She, I, I want to stress again how wonderful she is in this, and and thank you for bringing, mentioning that they are Mary and Dave are the most irresponsible presidents of uh, parents that we could see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I, I'm going to finish up with a couple of Bruce questions, but sure. so Daniel, how can we support um, your art? I think this is. I think it's funny, I think it's insightful, mm -hmm. and I think it is a loving kind of tongue-in-cheek, you know, mirror shown to remind us not to be Mary and Dave at times. What is the best way we can support you? Do you know, the honest thing is, is just watching it and sharing it because, you know, it, the the end of the day, I've made a, a, a short web series about Bruce Springsteen fans. It's not going to, you know... Even if it was the best thing, it's not going to win awards. It's not going to earn me money. It's all about just wanting people to connect with it. And I don't have the money to, to market the thing. Okay. So it's really like what you're doing by doing a podcast to support it. You know, if anyone has a, a blog, uh, or at the end of the day, I've made it. The only people really that are going to love it are Bruce Springsteen fans. Right. And then secondary to that, maybe music fans. Like let's say, for example, if there's a U2 fan, he'd, He'd under who's a super fan. He'd understand it and enjoy it. Yeah. Outside of people who love, love, love music, a lot of people might just be a bit confused by it. Yeah. Um. So I wanted to make something that really hits the niche that you know that I belong to, which is love music and can understand it. So it's really about the community of Bruce fans sharing it. So like Greasy Lake and Backstreets tweeted it out, and it, it got a lot of support and views from that. Um, so it's really just about sharing it. I'm not looking for anyone's money or financing for a project. There's nothing like that. It's literally, if anyone can, yeah, you type in East Street Mary and Dave on YouTube, it's there. It's on my website. You know, just find it, watch it, okay. share it. Well, um, I, I will also reach out to Peter with Blogness on the Edge of Town. I don't know if he's mentioned it in his blog, but I, 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 I think he should. Um, I, I just and I certainly will uh, will have the links in the show notes and uh, yeah. I'll continue to post it. I think that's great. And uh, hey, selfishly, if there's a there's a place underneath the YouTube for comments. If you mm. heard about it from Set Loosting Bruce, wouldn't hurt my feelings if you put that down there, guys. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, for sure. I'll I'll be sharing. Well, yeah. To begin with, this interview far and wide, but also, like you say, it's all you know. And the good thing from doing this show, a lot of my followers, you know, on Twitter and all that, you know, there's quite a few Bruce fans there now that weren't yeah. there before, so. It's a great way that we can support each other's projects. Absolutely. To get views, you know. Uh, what else do you have? What do you have coming up next? You said you've got you're working on a third episode. What else are you working on? Yeah, I'm actually trying to. Um, this year, my real target is to kind of hide away and write some longer form projects. So I'm, okay. I'm writing a feature film. I'm going to write a few sitcom pilots and stuff. And you know, I've got it for many years now. I've I make these short films like the ones you talked about as a sort of fun project, sort of learning the craft. I have the way I earn a living is I create show reels for actors, which basically means actors who haven't been on TV and film yet. I write scenes, direct them and edit them to show to directors what they can do. Oh, so that's interesting. Been, 
Yeah, it's a really an sort of interesting part of the industry. So that's what I do day to day. But now I'm really trying to just write those bigger projects that I want to write. So there's it's not like there's going to be loads for me out there to watch this year necessarily. I might do a few more. Well, I'll do more of East Street Mary mm-hmm. and Dave. But yeah, it's more about just trying to hide away and get some work done this year. Oh, God, that sounds great, Daniel. Um, so I'm going to end with... Um... Do you have a couple of songs that you haven't heard him perform live besides Glory Days that's on your wish list of things you'd want to hear? Well, you know, he played Blood Brothers today in Australia. I'd kill to hear that. <laughs> yes. I'd, and he played Back in Your Arms in Dublin. I wish I could have heard that. I'd love to hear Frankie. And I'd also, I'd love to hear Real World, which yes. is one of those songs that not people talk about that much. But some of the solo versions he's done of Real World, like he, you know, on yeah. piano and stuff, I, I would just... I think it's such a great the album version I can take or leave, but mm-hmm. when it's just him solo, I think it's I think it's brilliant. I'd love to hear that. Did you see the set list of the show he did for President Obama's staff? I did, yeah. <laughs> I God. was like, oh, someone boot like that. I just that looked uh-huh. like it was so much fun to see him just him and There's a couple of there's got to be oh we hope so and now then we sound like mary and dave (laughs) yeah but didn't he play like he played my father's house which i thought was so interesting yes never plays it what an interesting decision and it just goes to show like even though it's only people like us that take set lists seriously i feel like there's so much meaning to them and the fact is this guy gets to play for the president and the songs that he chooses carries you know it's he makes these decisions on purpose and it's yeah it's just fascinating it's a fascinating thing i do um daniel if someone wants to reach you how can they um my website uh www.danieljohnsonfilms.co.uk and i'm on twitter daniel johnson uk um just type my name in and films and I'll, I'll turn up somewhere facebook email yep. twitter yeah. okay very good um and i am at jesse jackson dfw um hang on a minute daniel we're gonna close but yep. i wanted to do my pitch if you want to be on the podcast and talk about bruce and all that implies please send us an email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com we also have a Facebook page. Check that out. And if you could, please go to iTunes to rate and review the podcast. It really is the best way for new listeners to find us. And share the episodes when they come out. Um, we want to reach as many people as possible. Um, well, this has been a joy. Um, yeah. This is um, – I tell you what. I actually may – Rewatch the apartment, give you advance warning, and we yeah. may just in in a couple of months set up another time and just do a special set lusting Bruce breaking down the apartment oh, episode. I'd love to. Wouldn't that be I, I, fun? I've got to tell you a little, can I tell you a quick story? Sure. Um, yeah. So Billy Wilder, who made the apartment, wrote and directed it. I um I'm a huge bit fan of his films, and then about eight years ago. I wrote a blog post. I think it was a blog. I wrote something about him on the internet and about his films and about the apartment. And uh, I got an email from a woman about, I was really lovely what you wrote about um, Billy. And her surname was Wilder. And turns out that Billy Wilder is her great uncle. Um, and anyway, a few years later, we kept in touch, kept emails, really lovely lady. And then a few years back, she, she emailed me and she was like, could I have your address? 
and she sent me a poster that Billy Wilder, he got uh, an award. I think it might have been a Lifetime Achievement Award um, at the Berlin Film Festival in 1980. And there's a poster that Billy took and took back to L.A. And so basically after he passed away, you know, the family's clearing stuff out, she's come across this poster of Billy's and she's sent it to me. So I have in my in my flat this poster of Billy Wilder from the Berlin Film Festival in 1980 that belonged to Billy Wilder, who directed The Apartment. Oh, that is awesome. Boy, what a yeah. what a lovely gift. It's the nicest gift, and it's just and it feels like a thing that whenever I'm working on my films or getting down, I'm like, come on, there's like there's a piece of Billy Wilder, like that's him right there. Do you know what I mean? It's a kind of it's a big motivator. And and his films all were amazing. Um, oh, just so well done and um that's 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 a great story have you seen have you seen double indemnity yes uh it's just it's just perfect it just makes some really perfect films it's it's incredible yeah you know and it's hard you know growing up the way i did at i was at the tail end of my three sons you know and mm. then the walt disney movies of fred mcmurray right yeah, and, yeah you know and and um the uh captain marvel was um modeled after him you know the comic book character and and to see him in such an evil role yeah um and and i have a massive crush on barbara stanwick i just she was such an interesting actress and and um the lady eve you know it's just one of my favorite films so you know it's interesting it's funny how like in hollywood there's so much talk about how you know, women don't get the great roles and, and women are just seen as these beautiful objects. But like when you go back into history, cinema, the women were such fuller characters in these yes. old movies, in these old black and white movies. Yes, they were stunningly beautiful, but they were also complex and flawed and fascinating. Um, and I think that's why they still hold so much appeal. Yeah. And, you know, some like it hot and just this, yeah. the, the, just a complex of films that they made um yeah we'll 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 do this in a couple months this will be fun good yeah so we're going to end with maybe you'll be out there on that road somewhere in some bus or train traveling along in some motel room there'll be a radio playing and you'll hear me sing this song well if you do you know i'm thinking of you and all the miles in between and i'm just calling you one last time not to change your mind just to say I miss you, baby. Good luck. Goodbye, Bobby Jean. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Daniel. We'll talk Thank to you. you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast. That is the one, the only, said Listing Bruce. Said Listing Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. All right. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. And uh, Thank you so much. Well, yeah. I can't think of anything better than speaking to a Bruce fan for an hour about Bruce. It's just brilliant. So. Oh, well, but you know what I love the most is the idea 
they're ignoring their daughter and as you said yeah. not for a greatest purpose right like yeah um i'm sure like president o and michelle obama did mm. their best to not exclude their daughters and to be there but yes you at least understand if there's things i'm missing Absolutely. soccer games or i'm missing recitals exactly. it's because i'm serving the country these would yeah. be it's because <laughs> I wanted to – I didn't want to miss a live broadcast on a radio exactly. program or something, and it's exactly. just so, it's exactly. just so the, wonderful. Jesse, the worst part of it is we can totally relate to that. Do oh. you know what I mean? Like because there's a part of you that would – that I could just imagine if like I had tickets to a Bruce show and then there's a wedding I'm meant to be at. I'm like, well – you know, you'll probably get divorced, but this gig, he might, what if he plays a song? What if he plays Bro Love Brothers? Daniel, true story, and I will probably add this in as a yeah, post-credit sequence. So um, my wife was training to do a full Ironman, mm. and um, she needed to go down to Galveston, Texas to do a half Ironman as a test. She wanted to do this to see if she could do it, and then if you – you could kind of gauge your fitness and you're ready to go. Sure. Yeah. And so she had said from the beginning, um, I don't need you to go. Um, you've been to my first official half Ironman. This is truly just a training um, trip. Um, her sister Mary was going with her and mm -hmm. my son Chris. And she said, you, there is no need for you to go. I said, are you sure you don't mind? No. She goes, I don't mind. Okay. I said, okay, well then, I'll just stay at home and kind of, you know, keep the home fires burning. Mm. Well, after that, Bruce announced that he was doing the free show in Dallas, Texas for the NCAA basketball tournament. Yeah, yeah. Which was the day of her half Ironman. And so Linda said, so what would you have done if I had not told you in advance you didn't have to go? Yeah. And I'm like – um, I, I probably would have still gone to the show. <laughs> she says, well, and then someone said, well, what if she gets injured? And I said, well, you know, there's flights that start as early as 5 a.m. I can get down to Galveston, you know. So exactly, right? I, 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 We're all a little bit of Mary and Dave. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, yeah. maybe, yeah, that's why I'm picking up. Maybe that's why you related to it because you're more Dave and Mary than you realize. You I, I think all of us, if they are honest to themselves, there is that, um, there is a, you know, we, a lot of, we call it passion, but it is very close to an obsession. And there yeah. is that little bit of, well, what if he plays that song that I've been chasing? Here's a question for you, though. Yeah. I just thought I'm interested in is, let's say if I let's say he's playing a show across the world somewhere. Yeah. I stay up till three o'clock in the morning to follow other people typing down the songs he plays in a set list live. What what do I get from that? From finding out, let's say, okay, he's played. So he's played the losing kind for the first time ever, whatever. Like, yeah. what do I get from finding out in the moment that I don't get if I wake up in the morning and read a set list? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, why are we – it's just really interesting how we get obsessed in that manner. I find it fascinating. I, I do too. And, and, you know, and the other thing that I've talked about a lot is how lucky are we um, – you know, my other big obsession was Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys. And, right, yeah. um, you know, when – 
couple of years ago, Brian was doing a tour, and Bruce showed up at the Encore and played with them uh-huh. on stage. Yeah. And and um, so I got to see it thanks to you know YouTube. Mm. Um, and, and, and of course all my family and friends said, if you had been in that room, you would have said, I can die. Mm. Like, forget seeing my son get married, forget seeing grandchildren, Bruce Springsteen, Brian <laughs> Wilson on the same stage. Oh. Take me away, Lord. I am happy. You know? Well, yeah, I had a very similar thing. So yeah, the, the show was at a Hyde Park in 2012. Yeah. Um, Paul McCartney walks out on stage now. To be honest, now I like anyone, especially being English. Of course, I love the Beatles, like everyone does. But sure. I'm not obsessed, you know. Right. Like I don't really listen to them that much. And also, Paul McCartney, I've seen him on TV singing "Hey Jude" in the last few, and I'm like, yeah. oh, his voice is knackered. He needs yeah. to retire. But when Paul McCartney walked out on that stage, that's a beetle. That's a beetle up on the stage, and it was just incredible to have Bruce Springsteen. And a Beatle together, it was just inc- it was an incredible moment, and uh, I can't even put it into words. Do you know what I mean? And I realize I, I totally I'm a bigger. I'm also a bigger. I realize I'm a much bigger Beatles fan than I thought I was because yeah. Paul McCartney walking out there. Um, it's like I was talking to a friend the other day, completely changing topic about what happens when the Queen dies. Yeah, you know, like all my friends in England were like, "Oh, who cares? It's the Queen. She's old." Oh, a lot of people don't believe in the royal family, but. I'm telling you, when the queen dies, you'll realize how she shapes a lot. Of, she's a big part of our lives. Do you know what I mean? And I totally, like, Daniel. My, you know, I'm here in Dallas, Texas, but like Linda, at the end of, you know, when December of 2016, mm. and word came out that, you know, Queen Elizabeth wasn't going to be able to travel for the holidays. Yeah. Linda said, "Is 2016 the year we lose the queen?" Yeah, exactly. You know, and like, that. yeah, and and um, it, and then don't even get me. You know, they're like, uh, she goes, I don't even want to talk about when Bruce goes. And I said, yeah, oh. I know what you're saying, but yeah, and I do you do know what, th- yeah. Jesse? Sorry, I, just, I I think everyone suddenly started to realize that Bruce isn't a young man anymore and i right. think it does creep into people's thoughts and everyone whenever they go to a gig now we're all, we're all saying will we get to see him again well and i have said this on the record many times mm. that um when i was there at the river tour and i watched i went i was at pittsburgh louisville then i did oklahoma city and dallas mm. i said oh my goodness they i feel like they sense that the road ahead of them is shorter than the road behind them absolutely that yeah th- we know that there is only going to be a few more times we're going to be able to do this mm, yeah and and at 67 doing a four hour show and yeah. not just bruce all of them right absolutely yeah like how is max's arms not falling off yeah and also like australia that you know to travel to australia that's going to take it out of you and they're not going to be doing it when they're 80 no no it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.